0: Let's give it up for our kids one more time. That was great. They are going to be our newest band here leading us in worship regularly here. No, thank you again for joining us. My name is Tony. Uh, all right, kids, I want to take a minute and just talk to you, okay? by a show of hands, kiddos, how many of you are excited for Christmas morning? Yes. Awesome. Okay. What are you most excited about? Go ahead, shout it out. Presence, What else? Santa. What else? Celebrating. Those are all really great things. What I love about Christmas is all of those things. <laughs> but what I love is that Christmas is a time of celebration. It's a time of excitement and it's a time of hope. All the songs that we sing, the scriptures we hear, all are about this anticipation of this great gift that we have been given by God. And that is the birth of the Savior Jesus Christ into the world for us. If you have been with us over the last few weeks, we've been in our Advent series here at Riverview. Now, word Advent, it just means arrival. And for a few weeks, we've opened up the scriptures and looked at the hope of a Savior prophesied through the book Isaiah. We looked at the faith of Mary and Joseph, these, these two young people that God had chosen to be the parents of Jesus, and the joy of the shepherds and the angels as they heard about the birth of the Savior into the world. You know, hope and faith and joy are foundational truths that we celebrate every single Christmas season. But along with those truths, we also celebrate peace. We hear of this peace from the angels who spoke to the shepherds that night in Bethlehem in Luke chapter 2 verse 14, where it says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people He favors. In the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, we read prophecies about Jesus 700 years before he would be born to Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem. A few weeks ago, if you were here, we looked at three of those prophecies, but today we're just going to look at one together. This is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says this For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of peace. What's fascinating about this prophecy is that 700 years before Jesus was born. It was these very words given to the prophet Isaiah to encourage God's people. A son will be born for us. In the midst of the hardship and the brokenness of the world, a savior would come who would be those four things. He'd be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, everlasting father, and prince Of peace. The word peace shows up hundreds of times in the Bible. In the Old Testament, whenever you see that word peace, the Hebrew word would be shalom. You may be familiar with with that word. The Jewish people use the word shalom all the time. That word shalom, what it would often be used to describe two nations who were not at war with each other, when they were at peace, when they weren't fighting. Shalom was also used to describe good interpersonal relationships, friendships that you had, that that relationship was defined by shalom. But shalom was also used to describe God's covenantal love that he had for his people. You know, oftentimes when we're saying hi to someone, we always say, hey, how are you doing? A Jewish person would say, shalom. Do you have peace or peace be with you? You know, in the first two books, or first two chapters of the Bible in the book of Genesis, we see a picture of creation in perfect shalom, perfect peace. God has just created the world and he's created life and everything in it. And he made Adam and Eve our first parents. And they're in the garden. They're enjoying it. They're cultivating it. They're in the presence of God. There is wholeness and peace to the world that God had made. But that peace, that shalom was broken after Adam and Eve sinned. They disobey God and they choose autonomy and self-worship over God-worship. And because of this, sin enters them, but also sin corrupts the world around them. The world has never experienced that shalom since that day. Now, was a really popular Christmas song, one of my favorites that we often sing, O Holy Night. And there's a line in that song that describes just really the state of the world corrupted with sin. It says this, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. You know, the birth of Jesus brings that thrill of hope to a broken world, weary with sin. Because the truth is we all want peace. We all long for shalom. Because peace is something much more than just the absence of conflict. It's a state of wholeness. It's when things are as they should be. But peace is elusive, isn't it? Some of us are reminded of this truth more today than any other day of the year because of the very people we spend Christmas with, <laughs> our families, right? We love our families, but Christmas, it's not always peaceful, is it? I mean, we go in to Christmas just hoping, just a peaceful day. Could we just have a peaceful day? But we put conditions on that peace, don't we? If the kids don't say they're bored, five minutes after they open their presents, we're going to have peace, right? Or if the family doesn't ask me about my relationship status, the one that just ended, there will be peace. Or if Uncle Frank doesn't bring up that one topic he always brings up that always sets everyone off, we will have a peaceful Christmas, right? We all have these conditions on Christmas Day because we want peace. We all want it. Our souls yearn for a peace that only God can truly provide. And when we look in the scripture, we see that peace promised to us by God that comes 2,000 years ago through the birth of a Savior, a Prince of Peace who would be born for us. We see a lot of different ways we experience this peace. First in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a beautiful reality before us that we see in this verse. And it's this, as individuals, men, women, boys and girls, we can have peace with God. A restored relationship, wholeness, a relationship as it should be with the God of the universe. And that comes through Jesus, through faith in the gospel message, through believing that he came to the world to live and die for our sins. That gift of vertical peace with God is incredible. But it doesn't just end there. That peace leads to horizontal peace, relational peace with one another. We see this in Ephesians chapter 2, where it says this, Now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. Now, it's important to know that this particular Bible book was written to the Ephesians. This was a church community in Ephesus. And that church was filled with vastly different people. Rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, slave, and free. And oftentimes, in communities, it's the differences that we have that separate us. They create these walls of hostility instead of open relationships of unity. But when a person believes in the gospel, something happens. They are a new creation. The things that used to be the most important identity things about them, they're no longer as important as being one with Christ— So the things, the differences that we have, they're able to be worked through. There's able to be peace because of our faith. That's why in the scripture, Christians are often called peacemakers. This is a beautiful reality when it's experienced in our lives with people. That's why Psalm 133 verse one says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell together in unity, in peace, shalom, peace with God. And peace with others are beautiful gifts that we have through Jesus. But that's not all that we have. We are also promised an inner peace. A peace of heart and soul and mind. A peace that transcends all circumstances. And we see this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't worry about anything, the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippians. But in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There are a lot of verses in the Bible, 31,102 of them. In fact, I didn't look at them all this week. Okay, I Googled it. That's... But this is one I go back to more than most because I worry. I don't know about you, but I can get anxious from news alerts we get on our smartphones to updates we get from people that we care about, we often worry about things in our lives. And in the midst of that worry, we're always told by people that care about us to do the two words that that, that verse tells us. Hey, don't worry. Which isn't ever really helpful advice, <laughs> is it? We know we shouldn't worry, but we can't. But they don't tell us what we should do instead. And this verse does. In everything. In everything. In all that you worry about, all that makes you anxious, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now again, I don't know about you, but for me, I often believe that peace comes with understanding. If I just know what's going to happen or if I know why I'm going through what I'm going through, or, or when that next domino is going to fall, okay, then I can begin to have peace. It's the lack of understanding that causes, me to be, that causes me to be anxious. But this verse promises something better. There is a peace that surpasses understanding. A peace that guards our hearts and our minds. A conviction that even though we don't know what will happen next, or why it's happening at this moment, we have peace in knowing that God does and that he is in control and that he is good. Christmas is a celebration of that peace that God brings to the world through a Savior born in Bethlehem. Peace with him through faith. Peace with others as peacemakers. And an inner peace that surpasses understanding. These promises of peace are a blessing to us. Because we still live in a world fractured with sin. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. While sin and brokenness are still very much a part of our world, there is a day in the future where that will not be so. When Jesus will come back again to deal with sin and brokenness with finality. When there will be lasting shalom and peace in the world. And until that day, Occasionally, we only get glimpses of what that'll be like. And one of the most powerful glimpses we got was over a hundred years ago. Back in 1914, World War I had ravaged the European continent, and while the war had only began a few months earlier, millions of soldiers had already lost their lives. But in the midst of all the hardship and pain of the war, something absolutely crazy happened on Christmas Eve the two sides decided that they would stop fighting for one day. From Christmas Eve night through Christmas Day, no shots would be fired. No fighting would happen. Both sides agreed to peace. This is actually remembered as the Christmas truce of 1914. On Christmas Eve night, both armies, instead of loading their guns and firing them, they began singing Christmas carols. The English and French on one side... And then the Germans on the other. And then they woke up. And on Christmas morning, something even crazier happened. Soldiers from both sides, they walked out into the middle, into no man's land. That's the, the side where uh, it's in the middle where all the fighting would, would kind of happen. The area between the two armies. And they, they, they greeted one another. They shook hands. They showed each other family pictures. They exchanged rations with one another. They played in soccer games like kids do at recess. I mean, here's a picture of that day. 24 hours before that photo was taken, those soldiers in that picture were enemies. But Christmas morning, even for just a moment, they were friends. They stopped fighting, there was peace. One German soldier wrote this in his journal about this day. He said the English brought a soccer ball from the trenches, and pretty soon a lively game ensued. I love what he writes here, how marvelously wonderful, yet how strange it was. The English officers felt the same way about it. Thus Christmas, the celebration of love, managed to bring mortal enemies together as friends for a time. Isn't this a crazy story? For 24 hours, there was peace. There was shalom in this one place where more pain and more chaos happened every other day. And while that story may encourage us, there's a sad side to it as well. It's that December 26th came. The fighting resumed. The war continued. That peace didn't last. Those, those soldiers who shared a soccer game the day before, they were back fighting one another again. Since that day, Over a hundred years ago, there's never been another Christmas truce. But this story resonates with us. It pricks our souls. When I read of that event in history, I can't help but be hopeful. Why? Because it's a glimpse. It's a brief moment in time of what our world would be like. There was perfect and lasting peace. Peace a world of shalom, where things are as they should be. And while we celebrate the momentary peace of that day, we long for something more, eternal, lasting peace, peace that only a savior, a savior king can bring when sin will not reign, when Christ will one day rule as king. We celebrate him today. That promised king, his first advent, we celebrate that, his arrival in the world, his birth, his life, his his coming to the world to live for us, to die for us, to resurrect from the dead for us. And while we look forward to his second advent, to the future, when our king Jesus will return and bring lasting peace to the world, today we celebrate the peace that's available to us by his first advent. Peace with God through faith. Peace with others as peacemakers. And peace that surpasses all understanding. This comes through the prince of peace. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our Prince of Peace. God, that you chose to bring a Savior into the world. That he would be born of a virgin. That he would grow up and experience the hardships of this broken and fractured world. That he would die for sin. And that he would rise from the dead. God, we thank you for our Savior Jesus. Today we celebrate that you sent a Savior into the world for us. But we also look forward in hope to a day when that Savior will come back and set things right with the world, things as they should be, where we will experience lasting and eternal shalom with him. Thank you for our Prince of Peace. We celebrate him today. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.